Well, this morning, uh, we are coming to the conclusion of the Christmas series uh, that I've led us in on the theme of hope. And so far uh, to uh, in this series, we've looked at the treasure of hope. We looked at the struggle for hope. And then we saw the exercise of hope, how hope is kind of a spiritual muscle that we're called to exercise. Uh, or when you think of it as, a, as an object, something we're called to hold fast to. Uh, on Christmas Eve, we looked at hope incarnate as Jesus comes into the world. And then last week, we considered the horizon of hope, where we keep our eyes fixed as the people of God on the horizon, looking towards the return of Christ and eternal life in him. We conclude this series that I want us to conclude with what I've titled the resiliency of hope. And in order to get us started with that theme, the resiliency of hope, I'd like to read for us a very familiar passage for us from the first five verses of Romans chapter, chapter five. So give your attention uh, to this portion of God's word. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Let me pray for us. Great God in heaven, <clears throat> thank you for uh, your word and thank you for the hope that you have given to us and for the way, as is evidenced even in the text before us that I just read, for the way that that hope can grow. And we pray that it would do exactly that through a series on hope and considering the, the way that hope is portrayed in your word, we pray that it would grow through the circumstances of our life, even through our sufferings. We pray that our hope and our trust in you would grow. Lord, be with us now as we listen to, as we hear your word. We pray that you would help us to consider it and that it would go deep inside of us and create hope within us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I used to work out at a gym in, in the days when people uh, worked out at gyms. And in this particular gym, one of, I'll, I'll call it one of the rather low tech exercises that the trainers used to take uh, their clients to do was, was this, this, this exercise where they gave them a, a rather large sledgehammer. I don't know how much it actually weighed, probably an eight, 10 pound uh, sledgehammer. And they would, they would have them take wax with this sledgehammer on a tractor size rubber tire that was there. I, I guess it uh, maybe served two purposes. Maybe it served the purpose of, I don't know, some kind of a full body exercise as you, uh, as you swung the mall or the sledgehammer around to hit this tire. And it probably got out some frustrations as well as you just whacked on this large rubber tire. Let me ask a question that I really don't need to ask, but it actually helps us if we think about it for a moment. Why didn't, in the middle of this gym, why didn't they have a large concrete block or even some big piece of a stump of oak where they let people take this sledgehammer 
and whack on that. Why, why a tire and not that? Now, the, the answer is obvious and that's okay. Um, it, it's, it's not a trick question. Uh, concrete, of course, has no give. Concrete will eventually break as hard as concrete is. You keep hitting it with a sledgehammer and you will break it. Whereas a rubber tire, when you hit it with a sledgehammer, you can hit it as hard as you want to, a rubber tire will bounce back. And it will bounce back because it has the quality of resiliency. It can take a blow and return to shape. Biblical hope has the quality of resiliency. It's tough. It is durable. Biblical hope is Phoenix-like. And we've seen this as we've looked through the Psalms and the prophets and other places in scripture. It's Phoenix-like. It keeps rising from the ashes. When you don't think it exists anymore, there it is once again. Uh, I'm not uh, embarrassed to say that biblical hope is Rocky-like. It gets hit. It gets knocked down, but it gets up again. Uh, biblical hope can take a punch. Uh, this is very dated, but I can't resist saying it because it's in my mind as I thought about it. Biblical hope is Timex-like, right? That's very old. It takes a licking, but it keeps on ticking. How about this? Biblical hope is Cook-like or polymeric sand-like. It seals and it binds without becoming so rigid so that it would crack in extreme situations. Biblical hope can stand extreme heat and it can, and it can stand or withstand extreme cold as well. For the psalmist, for the prophet, for the believer, it can sometimes look and it can certainly sometimes feel to us that all hope is lost, that there's absolutely nothing to be hopeful about, that all is bleak, that all is winter, that Christmas never comes, that my hope is gone, that my hope has perished. It can feel like that. It can look like that. But the resurrection life of Jesus, to which we are united by the Holy Spirit, will not allow your hope to perish utterly. Biblical hope is resilient. And not only is biblical hope resilient, but we have the ability to grow in our appreciation of that resiliency. We have the ability to grow in our resiliency as we understand the resiliency of biblical hope and the promises of God. So let's explore this idea in the Bible and see uh, the reality of it as it is presented to us. As we begin today, what I want to do is show us the connection between hope and endurance, okay? Hope and endurance, and I'll come back to the resiliency in just a moment. Look, look at uh, Romans 5 again with me. I'm obviously not going to exegete all of this passage right now. It's one that we've been in many times uh, together. But what I want us to note is the sequencing that we so often point out in verses three and four, just reading it again quickly for us. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. 
Okay, you've got four elements in this order, the suffering, the endurance, the character, and the hope that are described here. And the basic principle is this, the blows and the wounds of sufferings, as Paul describes them, they may hit hard, but for the believer, they don't ultimately crush us, crush hope. Instead, they serve to produce hope. Now, let me focus on just this word in our passage, this word endurance. The word endurance is also translated uh, in various places, as I'll show you in just a moment, as patience, as steadfastness, uh, or as patient endurance. In fact, it is the word from which I am drawing the idea of resiliency. So the idea of resiliency, as I'm conceiving of it today, as I'm picturing it today, is found, is bound in this word endurance. In fact, this word endurance here can sometimes be translated as hope. Uh, we have uh, several times in this study on hope gone back to uh, Lamentations chapter 3, that difficult passage where Jeremiah is observing the destruction of Jerusalem and reflecting on it in people's lives, in his own life. And in verse 21, he says, this I recall to mind, and therefore I have and, and our translation say, hope, this I recall to mind, and therefore I have hope. But in the Septuagint, in the Greek translation of the, the Hebrew Old Testament, the word that is there, this I recall to mind, and therefore I have, is the word that we have here for endurance. Therefore I have endurance. Therefore I have patience. Therefore I am steadfast. I have persistence. I have perseverance. And this word then is used in many places in scripture as a call to the faithful. Let me give you just one example to show you how powerful this idea is. Jesus, after warning of dangerous days for the people of God in the future, times of pestilence, times of famine, times of persecution are going to come. And then he concludes that in Luke chapter 21 by saying this. By your endurance, you will gain your lives. By your endurance, you will gain your lives. That's, that's how significant the word is, that, that, it, that it can almost substitute for a sustained faith. By your enduring these things, by your persistence, by your steadfastness in the midst of the sufferings of this world that are going to come, you will gain your lives. Uh, the word, in addition to that, is often paired with the word hope, as it is in the Romans 5 passage. So obviously, it's paired here in the Romans 5 passage that we just read, because the endurance ultimately produces hope. But let me show you a couple of other places in Scripture where uh, this pairing exists between the idea of endurance and the idea of hope. And these are very familiar to you, so you, you can listen now, but you don't need to turn to them right now. But 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, love hopes all things, love endures all things, right next to one another. Romans 8, 25 is a passage that we looked at earlier in, uh, I, I think actually in the very first uh, sermon in this series. Romans 8, 25 says this, if we hope, for what we do not see, 
we wait for it with patience. And the patience there is uh, the, the word for endurance or the word uh, that we are considering it. So we, if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience, the pairing again. Uh, Romans 12, 12, a, a verse we looked very briefly at uh, on Christmas Eve, gives us these two commands right next to one another. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation. Okay, rejoice in hope, and then be patient. Patient there is the word that we're talking about, endurance, in tribulation. So, so even there are three times in the book of Romans, Romans 5, that we've got open before us, Romans 8 and Romans 12, Paul is putting these two ideas of hope and endurance together. Uh, the last passage that I want to point out to, and, and there are others, but this is sufficient for our purposes right now. The last passage is another one that we've looked at, 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 3. In, in this section of Thessalonians, Paul is describing with thankfulness his prayers for the church in Thessalonica, and he has worked through uh, their love and their faith. And finally, he says, I rejoice in the steadfastness of your hope. And, and the steadfastness of hope there is exactly this same word once again. The endurance of your hope, the persistence of your hope. So, so these two ideas, uh, th this, this hope and this endurance, they go hand in hand with one another. Now, let's ask a question just for uh, maybe just for the fun of it, but I think actually it helps us to understand just a little bit. If we were to ask which comes first, does endurance come first or does hope come first? first. It's a little bit perhaps like uh, the chicken and the egg type question, but if you look at Romans chapter 5, the, the, the passage we have, Paul clearly shows that when we go through trials, when we endure sufferings, and when we come out on the other side, it builds hope, right? That's how this works. As we learn by experience the providential care of God. We, we go through a situation, and in that situation, we persevere, we endure, and then it serves as a, as a boon to our hope. It makes us encouraged, and the next time, we're more likely to endure because we've seen how God has worked in the past. So, so we understand that. In, in this case, Paul is saying the endurance that we have builds or produces hope, but, but if you step back a little bit more from it, and you ask really in essence, which one of these two things come first? I, I think the answer is that hope is the thing that comes first, because hope is part of the seed of faith. And what I would suggest to us is that it's actually appropriately appropriate for us to say that hope belongs to the essence of faith. Now, it, it may be very small. It may be just a little bit of hope that belongs to the essence of faith, but it belongs to the essence, and it becomes this little beginning seed of hope. It becomes enduring hope, or steadfast hope, or resilient hope as we walk, as we grow in Christ, as we, Romans 5, as we endure tribulations and exercise hope, it strengthens, it grows, it becomes, if we can say it this way, more resilient. It exists, and it's firm because of God's promises, but our experience of it, it becomes more resilient in our experience of it as we grow in our appreciation of it. In that respect, it is hope 
that gives us endurance. And so maybe to put all that together, you could say we endure because we have hope and that endurance produces more hope. Uh, I think that is helpful for us to see. It's, it's hope that is gifted to us at the bottom. And then through endurance, that hope continues to grow. But that's why Paul can say, as he looks at this idea of a resilience, of an enduring hope, that's why he can say, we rejoice in our sufferings. Now, let's be clear, in, and we've been clear in this over the course of many years, many sermons. Paul's point here is not that sufferings are the same thing as blessings. That wouldn't even make any sense. You don't have to endure blessings. Sufferings are sufferings, and Paul recognizes it as such. To mix up, to conflate, to say, hey, everything's the same to me. A blessing is good, a suffering is good. One, one's as good as the other. That'd be crazy. It would be monstrous. It would be an affront to what the scriptures have to say about the good gifts of God. Paul's point, though, is that sufferings and afflictions and struggles and the discipline of the Lord, think back again to the time in the wilderness, and COVID-19 and heartbreaking loss and hope-crushing disappointments, Paul's point is to say that all of those exist within the fatherly hand of the Lord Almighty and will be used by him to build into our lives endurance and hope, or to put it together, resilient hope. God will take all of those things. That's why we rejoice in them. We rejoice in them because they are kindling. They're going to get burned up. But we rejoice in the fact that they start within us the fire of hope, or they increase within us the fire of hope. That's the lesson. It's, it's the lesson from the wilderness. It is the, the time of testing. And, and, and a time of testing is given to us to humble us. That's what, that's what the purpose of the wilderness was. We read that clearly in Deuteronomy chapter 8. It humbles us with respect to our own capacities. And, and as it does that, it builds in us steadfastness. Now, that was a particular example with Israel. But James, it's on the front of your bulletin if you want to look at it. James 1 verses 2 through 4. James, James says it and takes that lesson of the wilderness and makes it paradigmatic for all of us as we endure difficult times. James says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And yes, steadfastness here is once again the word endurance. The testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete and lacking in nothing. That you may be a person who is full of hope. Let it have its full weight. Let it do its work within you. This then turns for us not only into something that is given to us, not only that something that takes place in our lives as God brings suffering into our lives, but it becomes a responsibility in our lives as well. It, it's something which we are working out in our lives or in which we are partaking to build in our own lives steadfastness and endurance. And that's why, for example, 
the writer of the book of Hebrews can say in one place, it is for discipline that you have to endure. You, you really have to endure. It's something you have to do. Or he can say to the people in another place, you have need of endurance. And so brothers and sisters, what I want to say to us today is I want to echo those words from Hebrews. Brothers and sisters, we have need of endurance, of a tough, durable, resilient hope. We've experienced nearly a year of this awful pandemic and all of the stuff that has gone along with it, all of the disruptions of our lives, even what we're doing right now, you being in your homes, me being here uh, in the office. One year, nearly. Israel was in Egypt for 400 years, 400. Israel was in the wilderness for 40 years, not one year, for 40 years. Israel was in captive, in captivity in Babylon for 70 years. And our brothers and sisters who have gone before us in the faith have endured and are enduring even now sufferings that we cannot even imagine. Brothers and sisters, if those people have gone before us and given us examples of endurance, we need to endure. We need resilient hope. We need toughness and we need steadfastness. For a moment, let's ask this question. What does it look like when you don't have that? When you don't have that kind of resilient hope? How does that manifest itself? How might it manifest itself? Well, it would be, I, I think, very simple just to use the definition of the word and say, it looks like impatience. Right. If if that word endurance can be translated patience, then the absence of it looks like impatience. Do you find yourself being more impatient? It might look like fear. It might look like murmuring or grumbling or complaining against God, against leadership. That's what took place in the wilderness, right? Those are the lessons that were in the wilderness. The, the heart was tested, and what came out was the kind of stuff I've just described. If you don't have that kind of resilient hope, it might manifest itself in a quick temper or in a gloomy sullenness about your life. It might look like overreacting or, as I, as I described in the sermon last week, overcompensating for the things that are going on right in front of you and not seeing them in the perspective of the horizon that is set before us. It might look like uh, sharpness in our tone or perhaps bitterness in our lives or indignation. It might look like different than those things, kind of going numb, kind of cocooning ourselves. I mean, it's one thing to be in quarantine. It's another thing to go into hibernation or to be in a cocoon. No, my friends, th that's not our call. That's not our call. Our call is to steadfast hope, to resilient hope. And now in these circumstances, which none of us would have asked for, right? But we have an opportunity to practice and to strengthen that kind of hope. 
and that kind of resiliency. And please, I'm going to say, say, kind of clarify again what I don't mean. I don't mean that resiliency is seen in stubbornness or in obstinance or in insisting on its own way or bravado or braggadocia or some kind of brashness or, or even in foolishness. Foolish acts, that's, that's not, that's not what resilient hope looks like. No, my friends, resilient hope, you've got to look at Jesus to see it. Resilient hope is characterized by humility, by meekness, by patience, by calmness, by steadiness. Tribulations ought to habituate us to patience. That's what Calvin said. Tribulations ought to habituate us to patience. And so when you're resiliently hopeful, that looks like not just being cocooned, but doing the things that we've been called to do, caring for others, pick up the phone, call somebody else, write somebody else, pray for somebody else, encourage somebody else. Resilient hope looks like faithfully doing the next thing that we should do. Okay, so, so again, go back to the wilderness. God is leading the people in this. He's allowing the people, he says, to be hungry that he might feed them. He, he is putting them in circumstances to say, listen, I want you to grow in your ability to do the things that I've commanded you to do. The commandments that are before you, I want you to do them faithfully. And these difficult times that you're enduring provide a way for you to grow in that, that a good time wouldn't. It wouldn't. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be, this is the hope, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. That's the horizon, right? Jesus appearing, we are transformed into his likeness. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. If you have your hope fixed on Christ, if, if that's your horizon, if the day when he appears is the thing that you're looking at out there, then, then that has immediate implications for today. The immediate implications is you purify yourself as he is pure, or you do it in Deuteronomy 8 language, you follow the commands, or you follow up in 1 John. I'm reading from 1 John there, 1 John 3, and recognize that the call is to love one another. When the false prophets said to the Babylonian captives, get ready, you'll be leaving soon. This, this time of captivity, it's not going to last. God's going to bring you out and everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be well. Get ready. Get out of here. Jeremiah wrote and said, nope, nope. This is going to last a while. It's going to last a while. Do the best you can do. This is my paraphrase. Do the best you can do to endure with patience and to live faithfully. That's what Jeremiah wanted out of the people. That's what God wanted out of the people as they learned the lessons that they needed to learn in captivity. We have need 
of endurance. And if we're expressing that endurance, it'll look like thankfulness. It'll look like compassion. It will look like hope. And even it will look like rejoicing. Even if we are, in fact, taking our last breath in this world, because the horizon of hope says, my last breath in this world is my entryway into a world of everlasting life. It's because of the hardness of this time, of this particular time, that such, such hope shines brightly in this world now, proclaiming the grace and the glory of God. We have need of endurance, of resilient hope. Make no mistake about it. We are called to do that. It is a responsibility that we have. But as I close, I want to go back to this. I want, I want you to remember this as the, the closing thing. We root our endurance. We find our hope. Conjure up steadfastness. We do not do any of that by our own resources, by our own willpower. That is where the world will source its hope. The world will source its hope down deep within a person. That is not the case for us. Instead, our endurance, our resilient hope is rooted in God the Father, his love and his eternal decree of election. God the Son, his atonement for us and his intercession for us even now. And God the Spirit, his regeneration of us and his abiding presence with us now. The triune God has sealed himself to us in the covenant of grace. And the promise embedded in that covenant is that in Jesus, we will experience the resurrection of the dead and the life everlasting. Hope is a gift. It's a treasure that is given to us. Resilient hope is what God is building into us in times and in seasons, just like this one. By God's grace and by our pursuit, our hope is not static. Our hope is not fixed. It can grow and it can abound. And may it be so for us. And so in, in closing the series, we go to a verse that we've gone to now several times. Oh, Israel. Oh, Christ the King. Oh, brothers and sisters. Oh, my family. Oh, my soul. Hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Great God in heaven. We pray that you would help us to hope in you. So oftentimes we find our perspective to be lacking or to be blocked by the things that are immediately in front of us. We pray that you would help us with all of our being to hope in you, to be assured of the promises that you have made and that you will keep them. Lord, and in light of that hope, help us to live this day, this Sunday, and tomorrow's Monday, and each day after that, faithfully, seeking purity, seeking to love our neighbor, seeking to trust in you. And we pray this in your name. 
Amen. All right, our closing hymn and the last Christmas hymn for the season is